Get Real with Lisa Crown podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Appreciate it. I'm excited today. I'm excited. I, you guys know, anybody who's coached with me, I love athletes. I love them. That's all they have. That's all they're surrounded with is coaches. Okay. They get it. They have the right mindset. And you know what? To me, I feel that sports is so parallel to sales. So as I interview this gem today, I'm going to tell you right now that we are going to talk and show and share how parallel it is. Even with management or escrow or real estate, it doesn't matter that that a sport, a sports athlete is the same. Because like, to me, they have to get, I'm a football player, Mahatsi, y'all. I get in, a football needs to get a touchdown. We need to get a title into escrow. A real estate agent needs to get a house into escrow. See what I'm saying? So it's so parallel. So without further ado, I have with us today from Concordia University in Ann Harbor, Michigan, I have a college football star, y'all. It's Logan Hutton. Congratulations for being in the hot seat today, Logan. Hey, everybody. I'm excited to be here. Excited to talk about uh, college and football and er how the world's parallel. And I'm just super excited to be here. So I've done you. You're a star. You've done college football for three years. You've done baseball in college. You ran track in college. You won a lot of awards. You've won the hardest working football player, which is so impressive um, that you've won that award. Tell us a little bit about your background, your journey in, in football and sports. I, I started playing sports really young. I played football for one year, played baseball for several years in a row, and I always was pretty fast. So I ran track. Middle school wasn't very good. It was it's hard for me. I wasn't one of the top guys, so it started getting in my head a lot. But my dad instilled in me into a young age the importance of just keep fighting and keep moving forward no matter like what hits you, what adversity hits you. So I stuck with it. I ended up playing in, in high school, went to some more adversity in high school. I broke my collarbone my junior year, had some issues here and there. And then my senior year came and the summer going into my senior year, I put in a lot of work. I gained 20 pounds. I was on a very strict nutritional diet. And it showed like all the work that I put in showed that season. And I did very well. And I got a couple offers to play football and I, I took them. And the one place that I wanted to go to was Michigan. So you got where you wanted to go. Yeah. I love that. I love that. What's interesting, I'm glad you brought up where you weren't doing good. Because I think that's important for people to hear. Michael Jordan didn't make the high school basketball team. And there's something that fuels people when they gone that memo that they weren't good enough or they're benching it a lot or whatever that is. There's something in there that fuels them. It happened to my daughter. She's a volleyball player. She didn't make this team that she wanted to make. Crushed her. I took all the crushing, all the pain, all the overthinking, all the I'm not good enough. And I'm like, let's fuel it into practice. Let's fuel it into new energy and a new mindset. That you're going to come back stronger. Did you feel that too? Oh, yeah. And another lesson I learned was failure is the greatest teacher. So whether yeah. it's or the professional world, things are not going to go your way all the time, but just sticking through it and, and continuing to go as hard as you can is going to pay off in the end, no matter what. How old are you? 20. That's good advice, dude. That is good. <laughs> that is like really good advice right there. Guys, you're hearing it from a 20 year old. Okay. You got to failure is the best teacher. That's the ultimate coach. It because I always say either I say now because I interviewed a UFC fighter and I was like, hey, how does it happen when you're in the ring and you become a pancake and you get knocked out? He's like, I don't ever lose. I'm like, you know? He goes, No, because I either win or I learn. 
He's like, my losses are my biggest, greatest teacher. And so I love that you said that. That's so powerful. Can we talk a little bit about expectations when it comes to your intense training? Because you cannot be where you're at right now without intense discipline and training. What is your perception about it? And give us a little bit about the expectations. Expectations have definitely risen as I've gone from obviously little league to college. <laughs> but, uh, Why was I born? <laughs> in college, there is a, a deep expectation, a strong expectation that you're going to do what you need to do to, to remain healthy, to build muscle, to get faster, stronger, just overall get better. It's, it, a lot of it is on you. Even though we have like workout regiments and, and stuff like that to go by, like we have the strength coach. as you control how hard you go in those workouts. You can just BS it all the way through and just do it like lightweight and finish. And so you're done, not have to worry about it anymore. Or you can go as hard as you can. And I've been around a lot of guys, football players, track runners. The guys that go the absolute hardest every chance they get are the most successful people. All the people that are slacking, all the people that are doing half reps when the coach looks away, stuff like that, like, those people never, ever make it. And I've never been afraid to tell people that. I tell people that all the time. It's like you you control like your own destiny. The t- decisions you make dictate the life you lead. You just got to attack everything. I've always attacked training. And training is so important. Without training, you won't accomplish anything without training. Practices, practice makes you almost perfect, not perfect because you still make mistakes. Practice and training is, is the most, probably the most important thing when it comes to wanting to get better at something. You just got to keep doing and keep repping it out and just keep going. To me, you're such an old soul. There's no way you're 20. You sound like a 40-year-old. I swear to God, right? Am I right? That is crazy good advice. I mean it. I mean it. You are too young to know, you know what I'm saying? I mean it. That's such an old soul thing to say. You're spot on. I'm so grateful you talked about the practice because I think hearing it from somebody who is getting to these higher levels in the process, the people who are in sales or as for real estate lending, whatever, whoever's listening, is everything you want in the more. I want more orders. I want more clients. I want the more. It's all in the practice. The more doesn't exist without the practice. And it's exactly the same. If they don't practice with their calls by calling, or practice with the one-on-ones by going on a one-on-one or teaching a class, they're never going to get there. That is my biggest line in the whole wide world. Prospecting is a practice. It's like throwing football. Let me ask you this. At practice, are you hustling just as much as game day? Oh, yeah. And and if not harder. It's not harder. If not harder. The thing is, if you practice what you are going to put on the field, if you practice at a high level all the time, constantly, when you get to the game, when he gets to the field, when he gets to the court, it's like it's nothing new. It's just a, how you work. It's If you do everything at a slower pace, you don't go as hard as you can. When game day comes, it's going to hit you like a bag of bricks and you're not going to be ready for it. There's one guy I love listening to is obviously Kobe. His mentality is unbelievable. There was a thing. Another player came into one of the arenas before the game at 5 a.m. And he thought he was getting there early, but Kobe had already been there for hours and hours working out. This player, who I don't know the name of, he said that Kobe was practicing as hard as he could. He was doing game moves for two hours. And this is before the game even happens. And then he ended up dropping, I think, 50 that night. If you practice at a high level all the time, high-level things feel like low-level things to you. 
That was so good. First of all, chills. <laughs> my hairs were up. My hairs were up because I'm a huge Kobe fan. First of all, he was my client when I was a title exec back oh, in the UK. Well. So God rest your soul. That was awesome to, to do that and work in that with him. And I will tell you, my realtor, Jordan Cohen, I interviewed him in my podcast. You guys should check out that interview. That was his realtor, his real estate agent, and the things we would hear behind the scenes about him. So Jordan would go over to sign his listing contract and do different things. He's shooting hoops. Same with Shaquille O'Neal. He did the same thing. Like when you really want to master your craft, you are, you're signing listing agreements, shooting hoops. That was like their thing. I will tell you this. Have you ever heard of the book Relentless by Tim S. Grover? I have not, but it sounds interesting. You'll want to read that. And then the second book, you can't read the first one without the second one. You can't read the second one without the first. The second one is Winning by Tim S. Grover. And this is what I tell my students. Tim S. Grover is the off-court coach for Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, and Michael Jordan. Off-court. They paid him direct. He wasn't a part of the team. He's off-court. He is so badass. This coach is so badass. And he writes two books working with the goats working with the best of the best of all time. So this is what I tell people. If you do not want to be number one, be the best, master your crap, and be the best, don't read those books. Do not. It's only for the people who want to go to the top and play like that. So when you brought him up, you just unleashed code right now. I'm on my damn soapbox. I love them so much. I love those books so much because, and you know what? Sometimes I'll, I'll coach people and like, I don't want to be number one, coach. I just want to do more. I don't want to be number one. I'm like, I don't bring those books up in our conversation because it's only for the game. All right, Logan, you got to read those. So thank you for that. Let me ask you this. How do you do the little things, like the details to affect the big things like the outcome? It's a huge deal. I think that feeds back into practicing and doing all the little things when nobody's watching, not just going to practice whenever the coaches assign you to go to practice. A big part of my improvement was doing little drills and stuff on my own and nobody was around. And it like it's and it's gonna translate. It's gonna translate to the field and everybody's gonna be like, what happened to this guy? Because that's exactly what happened to me. I don't think I was very good at football until I was a senior in high school. And I think a big part of that was that summer going into my senior year, I did all the little things I could have possibly done. I ate everything down to the, the last carb, the last fat, the last pro, gram of protein. I did extra training every night. I lifted. I did the strength conditioning camp all summer. I was first one there, last one to leave. There's just the little things having like showing up on time and whether it's to a lift or to a meeting or to or, or deadlines on certain things like having those things in, they amount to so much. Because I also think that the little things build your character and your character is what everyone sees around you. Do not think that you can achieve the big things without the little things. I love that. Dang. Gosh, that's so good. It's so, so good. Gosh, hear that, you guys? It's such a great reminder for all of us. It's the little things that you're doing them repetitively over and over again. They become a priority. They're chipping away. Next thing you know, you gain the 20 pounds. You're faster than most people. You're winning the hardest working worker. And the hardest working worker, those people even know all that extra time you did. And you still won the award because it does appear. I always say, work in silence. Let your success make the noise. And you do just that. That's amazing. Let me ask you this. The importance of teamwork and communication when working towards a common goal. In our business, teamwork is everything. 
It's not a one-man show here. It's not a one-man show in football. Tell me a little bit about that importance there for you. I think I really learned the importance my sophomore year in college. I've obviously always known that teamwork and communication was important, but I, my freshman year, I came in and I didn't play at all at Concordia. And we went to the third round of the playoffs. We were very good. We were so close to the national championship, but we fell short. Then the next year, everybody came in with these expectations that we were going to win, that we were so good. And communication fell through. Teamwork went to crap. We started pointing fingers. He did this. It's all his fault. Blah, 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 blah. And we ended up going five and five. And it was a huge shocker to all of us. I think that just really shows like how important the, the relationships within the team, which build that teamwork and communication, they're, they're so important because if you don't know what you're doing, and if you don't know what the person around you is doing, you won't be successful in terms of football. And our head coach tells us one thing all the time. He's like, when we line up for sprints, he said, just make sure the guy to your left and the guy to your right are behind the line. And I think that's a lot bigger of an idea than people are, than just being on the line. We have 150 kids on our team. If you just focus on the guy to your left and the guy to your right, and every single person does that, every single person is communicated with and taken care of, and then we can function as a unit. You cannot point fingers, and just keeping that communication with coaches and people that are better than you at what you do, keeping that communication up and showing that you want to improve is so, so, so important. I feel like you're an escrow. There's no way you're a football one-year-old on the field. Like, you're spot on in our business. This is the point I'm trying to make. That teams are going to be jack shit if they don't communicate. They've got to have that. They've got to have that vision where everybody in line with that same common goal, all on the same page about what they're bringing, how they're doing it, how they all are in line. They're not pointing fingers. It's a one unit. So good. So good. Oh my God. I love this interview. I, I honestly, you can listen to every single one of my podcasts. I've never said that in the middle. I just want, I'm like literally going to tear up. I swear. Dang. Dang, Logan. Okay. Well, I want more. I want to more. Now, we talked about failure, right? But I, I want to say to you, how do you handle an off game, right? Or a loss? Like, how do you push through failure? Because I have people, their numbers are so down. In a way, they're pegging their worth to their order count. And they're depressed and they're down or they want to quit or because they're so down, it's not creating momentum to get back up. How do you handle your losses in an off game? I used to have real big issues with this, actually. I, on bad games, I almost didn't want to look my dad in the eye. I took it very personal. I thought it was the end of the world. And one thing that I learned is we said earlier, failure really is the greatest teacher. You don't, you don't learn anything from winning. You won. There's nothing to learn from it. If you fail, you know what you have to do better the next time to win. I've definitely gotten extremely better at handling losses and failures because my position, I'm a tight end. So we block and we catch the football. If you drop a football and you are off the rest of the game, you're just hurting the team. And the coaches aren't going to want you out there. 
So being able to mess something up, being able to fail, but then get right back up and know that you can do it the next time is so important. With confidence, it, it reveals what kind of person you are and, and it makes people flock to you. Whenever you can fail and get back up and keep going and never stop, people will flock to you and it's just good to come. It's just good to come. So, I love that so much. I had a really hard time with failing growing up because to me, failing was like, you're weak, you're a loser, you jacked that up, you missed your shot. Because I'm a sports person too. I played tennis in high school and in competition. Now I play pickleball because I'm an old broad. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you migrate into that. It's a slower sport. Anyway, it's so fun. It's actually becoming pretty badass. You should try to be pickleball before. I've heard about it and I actually really do want to try it, but I've never got the chance to. But So fun. At any rate, I had a really hard time. And then in sales, when I was a title rep back in the day, would I lose a client or I would call someone and they would say, no, it crushed me. And my sister said something once similar to you. And that was, you got to dust yourself up and try again. I think Destiny's Child did a song about it, right? You got to dust yourself up and try. <laughs> There's like a reason for that. And then here you're saying it. And I think that perception of like, you fall in the field, you miss the ball and you got to get back up, have that right attitude. I love that. That's a good thing to remember. And those listening, you got to get back up. You got to get back up and do all the things that got you there in the first place and the numbers that you liked. Yeah. And, and there's a saying that I heard a long time ago, and I actually have it on a bracelet. It's a uh, fall seven times, stand up eight. No matter how many times you fall, stand back up because you, you could be this close to success. And if you quit now, you'll never reach it. I have that on my bracelet. I look at it. it. I think on my bracelets too. You're just like me. I have a bracelet that says, let it go. Let it go. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I'm telling you. And I have like little symbol things around. It's nice to take a peek at those things. My whole wall behind me, you can't see it. It's all sayings on it. Let's see one of them. Oh, that one says, because I'm the coach, this is a bit of what's happening in our industry is there's big waves, right? People who do business that our sales or escrow people want to get, and they've got this voice, like you're not good enough and they're never going to use you or choose you. Do you ever get a voice in your head? Honestly, I don't think I've ever really had a problem with the voice in my head. I know it has affected people around me though. And I've, and I've picked up on that. And I actually started saying something in the weight room. Like when we go out and train and stuff, and I'm, I always say, fuck that voice in your head. Ignore oh, yeah. that. Amen. It's, it's trying to throw you off. It's, it's, a, it's a distraction. Don't listen to it. Do not listen to it. And it's just to see people fight through that, they, knowing that they can after you tell them they can, it's like the best feeling in the world. You just got to keep going. I don't, I've really never had a problem with that. I don't know why. But You're lucky. I, I really, I'm with it. I just. Well, it's so good saying that because that piece, because you're 20 and I'm dealing with 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 year olds that have the voice, right? I'm telling you, stay in that because you got to tell the voice to fuck off. I might drop when you said that because that's so true that if you can say, I call it the drunk monkey. I actually did a podcast about that voice. I call it the drunk monkey. It's like a monkey with two fucking beers and he's loaded and wasted and he says a whole bunch of shit. And you believe him and all he does is get you to do like circles and not perform and not be productive. So that's that voice, that silly drunk monkey. And he goes back to sleep when you don't listen to him. And he leaves you alone and you go out and you do what you need to do. 
So how much, let me ask you this, how much of a role does your mindset play in your day-to-day on the field? Uh, it's everything. I mean, it's everything. I, I always pride my pride myself on on trying to be the hardest worker in the room at all times, like pushing myself past the limits that other people can't even like, they just don't even understand the limit that I try to get to. And it's actually separated me from a lot of people. I've lost relationships and stuff over it. Like, you just don't want to surround yourself with people that, that don't have that same mentality. Mindset is literally everything. The way you attack anything is the way you attack everything. If you attack something not as hard or it doesn't seem as important to you, but, and then you have to try to come back to the next thing and attack it as hard as you can. If you're just here and there with it, I just, I don't feel like you will be successful. Like you, mindset is everything. Mindset is what pushes you to do every single thing in your life. And I don't know, I really don't know how else to explain it. To do good in football. You mentioned your dad a lot, which is really sweet to me because I didn't have a close relationship with my dad and like listening to that with you is what's your push in what you're doing? Yeah, my dad has always been a, he's always played a huge role in my life. He was very young when he had me, he was 19 years old. And whenever I was born, he immediately changed his life and became a man and a father. And I I give him all the props in the world for it. I love my dad to death. Another thing that motivates me is my grandma. So. My grandma's German. She came to America, couldn't speak English, married an American man, had four kids. She was beat. She was cheated on, all these bad things, but my grandma never stopped fighting. She had three jobs, sometimes four jobs at a time, barely sleeping, barely eating, just so her kids could have food at night and and go to sleep and have a roof over their head. And every time that I go through something that's hard, I, I think about my grandma and my dad and it's like, they didn't stop and they were going through something way harder than an extra rep on bench. What is the excuse? I'm going to tell myself, oh, I'm too tired. No. Being too, no, they weren't too tired. They fought through it. And so those two have motivated me and they'll keep motivating me until I die. I just, every single time something hard pops up, I'm like, their situation is way harder. I, don't, I have nothing to complain about. That hooks me up, dude. And dropping, yeah. tear, dropping tears on this podcast. I love that so much. You know why? Because my, you can relate. It's, I'm so grateful to your dad and your grandma. I'm so grateful to them because you sitting there inspiring all of us in this podcast. I want to thank them. Is your grandma still around? Yeah, she's still, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. You're lucky. Yeah. I, I will say you're so lucky to have that drive. Because the drive and the why and the reason why when it gets hard or you messed up or you bailed or you lost or you're too tired to go work out early or whatever that you think of them and you're upright, that's that motivation, that drive. See, we can't, I feel I can't even coach somebody at this point if they don't understand what drives them, what their why is, what's that piece, what's that motivation there. What's that story? What's that story inside? Yours touched me deeply because I can see it in you. When you said, I couldn't, I couldn't even look my dad in the eye. I'm like, there's something there. There's something really strong there that you feel with him. And I just appreciate that so much. And I think your dad and your grandma and your mom, I appreciate them so much. I wanted to, you got me, Logan, you go. <laughs> oh my <laughs> word. What? 
let's talk about discipline and like how do you maintain focus when maybe your friends like let's go to a party or let's sleep in or this or that or different things that have temp- temptations or stuff how do you see dip- discipline and focus oh once you develop goals and you know what you're supposed to be doing i've always had i've always had a good mindset with being able to focus and stuff like because i've always strive to, like I said earlier, be the hardest worker in the room. And I don't know, when, whenever you have, when you know what you're supposed to be doing, outside things, they become less important to you. Like they, they seem less attractive to you. Of course, you want to go and party and have fun and all this and whatever. But if you're slacking in the things that you need to be on top of, like you, you got to change that in your life. Like you need to be on top of what's important and let the other things come after that. I don't, I think a mixture of myself, or I think me being able to focus through that stuff is, I also owe that to my dad and my grandma and my family. I I learned everything from them and they've been able to focus through such rough times and, and everything that they've gone through and they're succeeding now. And I just think that once you have a goal in your mind and you stick to it, those things just become less important and you're able to focus a lot harder on what's what is important maybe we can get down grandma in the hot seat because i want to <laughs> i want to learn from them because i didn't have that influence growing up i'm missing a piece i'm missing it I, at 20 i was not i did not talk like you that's it's incredible the what they've instilled in you is shining through when I was younger, my dad, my dad was very uh, strict with me and I had to always be respectful and have great grades and be responsible and all this. And when I was younger, I didn't see what he was doing and I just thought he was an asshole and I thought he just hated me in my mind and all that. But then once I matured and understood, I'm so thankful for everything that he did. The way he raised me, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Being being held to the standard of having straight A's no matter what. And if you don't, you're grounded or you have to do other things to make up for it. And, and being early to practice and, and being the last one to leave, doing extra sprints at the end, that's all from him. He pushed me from a super young age and like a very young age. And I've just been that way ever since. So, that's yeah. Thank you for saying that because I'm a strict parent and I think a lot of times I question those choices because I'm like, I don't, I, I just know that the importance of it is that, and my goal is my kids come on the other side going, my mom, but they know because I'm strict in love. It's because I have boundaries and expectations and respect is a huge thing and following rules is a huge thing for me and I'm big about straight A's and my and my daughter does get them and I encourage her but my thing is like when she was she's mom all of a sudden I have a B like okay so what do we need to do to get it up we need a tutor read this whatever but I, I appreciate you saying that because for parents want to do it right Logan they want to do it right you know what I mean we don't want to push them over the edge we want to be too soft into this but my husband and I are strict, and I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that because I do feel like I can, I'm watching my kids mature and grow up, and these things are instilling them to be, hopefully, grow up like you. Like that feeling of I'm so grateful to that. Yeah, learning to be grateful to the things that are important like that is definitely put me where I am right now. 
love that. I love that so much. So what's your goal after college football? Oh man, this is, this answer has changed quite a bit since I've been in college. I've always wanted to own a gym and there's just a, there's just a, a feeling that I get from pushing people past their limits. Like, I think that's why I was like born. I think that was my purpose. I don't think my purpose is an athlete. I, I, I don't, I got blessed physically with that and some athleticism here and there, but I think I was like, there's nothing that brings me more joy than push people past their limits and seeing that they, seeing in themselves that they can do it when they thought that they couldn't. So being, owning a gym has always been something that I've wanted to do, but recently, and I think I'm going to stick with it. I actually want to go be a Navy SEAL. Oh, really? Did yeah. They meet guys like you, Logan. They meet guys like you. I just interviewed a Navy SEAL about four or five podcasts ago. Jake, I can put you in touch if you want to talk or pick his brain or hear that he was a trainer for them too, which I could see you doing, being a, a Navy SEAL trainer after you do it. He did that for years and worked for them, which is that tapping into that purpose. Then go own your gym. You got to fill that need. You got to fill that fight. That is, I could see you there. You, I could see you there. Yeah, I, I want to be in that environment so much. I love pushing myself and having guys around you that are working towards that common goal, that teamwork aspect, and just just being around more people that are just relentless in what they do. I just want to be around that. I don't, there's a couple guys that I know that are like that kind of, but I just want to be in that world where no matter what, the person to your right and your left, they're on point and they're probably, they might even be better than you. And that's the best environment to be in. Being the best is not the best thing. It's not what you, you want to strive to be the best, yes, but like surrounding yourself with people that are better than you is so important because you can just constantly learn and learn and learn and learn and, learn and get better at your craft. It's very important. 100%. I agree 100%. I coach people that were better than me in sales. Way better than me in sales. I learned from my own students. In a way, what you're saying too is like a coach, right? Because the coach is one that's going to help you unlock your potential and push you past where you expected you could be. And it's our role. It's our roles for me in business. It's your coach's roles in, in football. Speaking of that, talk to me a little bit about your importance of having a coach and what you've learned through your coaches, good or bad. So I've had some good coaches and some bad coaches. In high school, I didn't have a good one. I don't, I really never knew what this dude had against me, but I was a straight A student and I just feel like I could never do anything right. And it did affect me a lot. The effects of having a bad coach on your mental is, as an athlete, is rough because he holds the key to you playing and you're doing all this work and, and he's not going to let you play because he doesn't like you, whatever. So that was a really tough thing to get through, but flip side having a good coach I've had a, I had a good coach this year a very very good coach his name is Elijah Cody he was a four, he played four years at San Diego State and he's our offensive coordinator and he texts me I broke my leg this past season and I'm on the road to recovery right now and same thing with one of our starting receivers very similar in, injury uh to the lower leg and he texts us all the time and he really shows that he cares about you. And so like 
when when we get like ready to go on the field and, and we're doing all the training and stuff, it's like you want to fight for that guy. Like you you know that your coach has your back, so now you have to have his back. And like that relationship, like I'll I don't think I'll ever lose that relationship. I think he he'll even be at my wedding someday. There's such oh. a bad respect for a good coach because he just wants what's best for you at all times and you can tell even if you mess up he's the first person to give you your correction but he's also the first person to say you got this man don't get down on yourself with right now with injury and and having to rehab and stuff it's like y'all are built for this he tells us this every other day he sends us a big paragraph you're built for this man God gives his toughest battles to his toughest soldiers. Like you, you can do this. You can get through this and I'm here for you. And I think that's the biggest thing is he always says, I'm here for you. And there's always someone that I know that I can rely on. Nobody else is there. So having a good coach in your life is a blessing and you may not even know it yet. Oh, I love that so much. You're so right. You're so right about that. You nailed that. Thank you. I love it. I just... We have a big duty as coaches, right? Whether in business or in sports. And to me, I always say, I always tell my students, I'm wearing the same jersey as you. I'm wearing the same jersey. We're in this together and appreciate that. And I appreciate him because that that's keeping you in your rehabbing with your focus to heal, right? It's the right energy in your process. And I want to know because you are in a way dealing with a struggle right now, dealing with a challenge right now, what advice do you have for people who are struggling? You broke your leg. I have people struggling with their order count being down. And when their order counts down, they're not at their level performing. With your broken leg, you're not at your level performing. What advice do you have for these people um, who are struggling? Um, you can go back to a couple of questions ago when we were talking about that voice. I think blocking out that voice and um, just focusing on or controlling what you can control is such an important thing because even though I can't go out for a run right now, I can still go lift upper body. I can still go hit another part that needs to be hit and that needs to be taken care of. Like when one thing happens, you cannot just shut down. Like you just keep doing every other thing that you can possibly do while this is getting figured out. And then when this is figured out, or all that stuff that you put in everything else into that and, and you'll be fine. Like you just can't, you just got to keep going. Like there, there's no, there's nothing more really to it. Like you just have to keep going if you want to be successful. You cannot sit in, and there's a quote, my dad's a huge Sylvester Stallone guy. So I grew up on Rocky. I've watched every Rocky movie a hundred times. And oh, I love it. There's a quote, there's a quote that I, that was in my Instagram profile for a long time. and. It's very powerful. It's every champion was once a contender who refused to give up. Every single person that's ever made it to the top has gone through so much adversity. They failed so many times. But the winnings is what people see. They don't see the failures. They see the win. They see when Michael Jordan took however many thousands of shots and he missed, they focus on the ones that he made. He, he made that one in the finals to seal the finals and get the ring. Nobody remembers the ones that he missed. You got to keep fighting in that dark room. When you're alone and you're in that dark room, you have to just ignore that voice and keep fighting and keep moving forward. Oh, man, I love that so much. I love that so much. Rocky was my client too. Okay, you're milking all my clients over here. I, uh, that guy, you got to follow Jordan Cohen. 
on Instagram because he's his agent and he's really close to him. And he did his foreword on his book. So my old client, Jordan Cohen, wrote a book and Sylvester Stallone was the foreword on it and talks about it. And he's got him in video on it. You should check it out. It's really cool. He's wow. the, the, I love that somebody who inspires you and you watch all his stuff. So that's a cool thing. Anyway, I'm, I would keep you on all day. I just want to be really clear. I would keep you on all day. I just want to keep picking your brain. But I got to let you go, get you back rehabbing out and all in life. What do you know for sure, Logan? Um, nobody owes you anything, man. Nobody owes you anything. It's all on you to control what you can and to be successful. So leave you with that. Oh, uh, can I just say, I'm not lying. And everyone who's been following me forever and watching my podcast is going to know that I don't close out like this. It's one of the best podcasts I've ever done in all these years. I am so impressed. I, t I learned so much today for me. So thank you. You touched parts of me that like you got me with that purpose, with that drive, with your family, that the family that just loves you and believes in you and has been by you, your coaches, your teamwork, your work ethic, your fight in you, all that. It's been an honor to interview you today, Logan. Thank you so much for being here. And can't wait to see you on the field and see what you're going to do next. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, you bet. Thanks so much. Have a good day. Goodbye.